Thank you. I appreciate that. Great music and the great message in that song. I told them when they were practicing that they played their instruments so well, and as soon as they needed someone to play the radio, give me a call, and I could join their group. So I appreciate that so very, very much. Well, it's such a joy to be back here at Valley Bible Baptist Church once again. The first time I came here was 18 years ago, and I was in the same place that Randy and Naomi are in right now. I was on deputation to go to Cambodia, and uh, to tell you the honest-to-goodness truth. Now, usually when a pastor says that, we, I term it, there's evangelastic. It means we can stretch things a little bit. This isn't evangelastic. This isn't me stretching the truth. This is the honest-to-goodness truth. Um, and don't tell this to any other churches I ever was at because uh, they might not like this. But I remember coming here. I was so impressed just from the moment that we came into the church and met your pastor, Pastor McMath, Mrs. McMath, and their entire family. I've, this, is good, this is honest to goodness truth. I've never met a family that was more sincere, more humble, and was just filled with meekness. You know, the greatest man, Moses, was a man of meekness. And I just, I felt like I was just around something special here at the church. And then uh, there's the Abetas. And I remember them in that, that nice little apartment they had on their house. Do you still live in the same house? I've never forgotten that place. And I thought, wow, how cool that would be to be able to have a house and build on an apartment there to be able to receive other people in ministries. And I've never forgotten you. And you were with them um, jumping out of planes into fires? No. Something with firefighting? Yes. I knew it was something like that. I don't know why I thought it was jumping out of planes, but uh, I always remember that. Uh, my oldest son's a captain with Cal Fire, and so we had that kind of running our, our um, family too. Um, but I'm preaching to the choir. You all know how great this church is, and just to see the mission's heart that you have, a, a church in a town of about 10,000 people. Our town's about 2,000 people. Our entire county is about 17,000. It's called Mariposa County. Of course, Butterfly in Spanish is the county that hosts Yosemite. Um, so we're familiar with small town ministries. And just to see the impact that this church has had here in Española and Santa Fe County and then all over the world as you're approaching 100 missionaries, um, that's, I don't feel like I'm fit to be here to be able to preach to a church that's like this. And so I'm just so thankful. I never would have dreamed 18 years ago that I'd be able to come back and be able to preach in the missions conference here at Española. I thought that was so far above anything that I could ever um, hope for. And I'm just so thankful for this opportunity, the goodness of, of this church, and of course, my son, Randy. And I'm even more surprised they even let me in the county after Randy married Naomi. You know, so I'm just grateful they still let me come back in, and they have been such a blessing. Um, Naomi's got me hooked on Hatch Chilies. I never even used table pepper before. And so she's wore off on me, and I'm just so thankful uh, for Naomi and for Randy and their ministry, and so thankful for the Ashfords being with us. And I appreciate that brief opportunity to look there at the Bibles and stuff that are back there, and, and uh, the, the, or the jail ministry that you're a part of. Um, our church is in our county jail every Sunday for about four hours and every Monday for about three or four hours and, until the COVID came. And I always look forward to Monday mornings. That's usually preacher's day off. And I would always look forward to a phone call. So if I knew the phone rang, 
And if it was for me, they were going to tell me somebody got saved in our jail ministry on that Sunday. And that's happened many, many times. And so what a valuable, valuable ministry that is. Our county jail in California, they have been letting out about 10,000 of the prisoners and inmates. And, and now we have a homeless population right behind our church sign um, living in tents. And some of them don't even know they're there. Um, but I appreciate that ministry. We have a heart for that, too, and enjoy seeing people get saved in that ministry every single month. And thank you, church, for the great motel that you put, put us in, the fruit basket that was there. Um, that, that room is something else. I've, I'm just very, very impressed with the, the, the accommodations you allowed us to have. Thank you so much, um, Pastor McMath, for that. And what a great dinner we had today, soups. And I, again, tried something with chilies. That never happened before, and it was good. So thank you for the food and all that you brought for us. And I know as we look forward to great time all through this week that we're going to have uh, together. Look forward to getting to know you even a little bit better. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles tonight. And we're going to turn to Matthew chapter number 10. And we're going to read verses 40 through verse 42. And we're going to look at the subject tonight, the reward of reception. The reward of reception. I know many of you young people that are here tonight, if you grew up in church, I grew up in a Christian home. I was in church shortly after I was born and never left for a long time and never have. won't tell you my age, but um, you can tell I don't have much hair, so that kind of gives it away. But I always can remember missions conferences or special speakers would come in. And they would preach, and you would just be moved to the core, and the, the Holy Spirit would just get a hold of your life, and you'd want to be just like them. But I can remember as a, as a young person, as a teenager, thinking, oh, God never used me like that. I wish I could have that tremendous testimony of what God is doing in different ministries. And every year, more and more ministers would come in, missionaries would come in, um, folks in full-time Christian service, and I remember thinking, man, I wish I could be in full-time service. I wish God could use me. You know, I found out something interesting in Scripture. God doesn't reward you based on a position that you hold. You realize that? I hope tonight you realize that when you receive a righteous man, which we'll look at in a minute, you receive a righteous man's reward. When you receive a prophet, in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Do you realize when you stand before Jesus Christ, it's God's goal that all of you receive the same award, reward that these missionaries receive? Because as you receive God's ministers, God's people, as you accept them in your home, as you financially back them, that same reward that they get at the judgment seat of Christ is the same thing that you're going to get. We've already referenced in the book of Philippians, and Paul said, not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your count. And I remember studying, reading through Matthew, I think it probably was this year, that I came to Matthew 10, verses 40 and 42, and they really spoke to my heart. And we're going to read those in just a few moments, and I want to encourage the church today to realize, why do we have faith, promise, missions, giving? In Christianity, we never give. Now, I'm going to say something about that. Don't go, <gasps> When you give something, there's no expectation for a return, is there? I have never given anything. I have always invested everything. My time, my talents, and my treasures. We don't give, we invest. 
And not to say that God's a big slot machine in the sky, and so we're going to invest $1,000 so we can get $10 billion when we get to heaven. And that's not the idea that I'm talking about. But Christianity is always investing because we're looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment of reward, isn't it? The hay, wood, and stubble is going to be burnt and left for ashes. And everything that we have invested in the cause of Jesus Christ is always going to bring an abundant return. And so as I grew up as a child thinking, man, I wish I could be that missionary. But I remember all the way back in Bible college 30 or 40 years ago, however long that was, they, they said you'll never be able to speak a foreign language if you don't know English grammar. And so I surrendered right then to say, well, I'm going to be staying in America the rest of my life. And then about 1991 or 1992 in the church there in Mariposa where I'm pastoring now, I started a Christian school. My records are somewhere at Heartland Baptist College, somewhere in a dark, dark place. So they never can be reviewed again. I never got to understand English grammar. But guess what? God has a sense of humor. He says, you're going to start a school. I said, boy, if they ever saw my report cards, my uh, charts from college, they wouldn't be coming. And then all of a sudden I learned I have to be able to teach. You just can't start a school and walk away. And so I can remember before we started taking every one of those English paces and going through every single English page, staying up night, sometimes not even going to bed, just trying to learn it so I could teach it. And then there was algebra and algebra two. And the demonic subject called, anybody here in geometry in the Christian school? That demonic math course that they called geometry. And so it's interesting that as I studied that English, it was just a few years after that that a missionary to Cambodia stopped by our church. <laughs> and he started preaching about how the fruit was ripe there in Cambodia. And I thought, Lord, I would, I'd be glad to go to Cambodia. And the message went on, the invitation was done, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to Cambodia. But, Lord, my wife thinks I'm going to go somewhere in California and start another church. Lord, you've got to speak to her heart because you can't use dead missionaries. <laughs> and so I went to my wife, and in a few months, it was going to be our 25th wedding anniversary. And I went up to her, and after that service, said, hey, hon, biggest smile I could put on my face. I said, how would you like to spend your 25th anniversary in Cambodia? I didn't know whether to duck. I wasn't sure what the response was going to be. But she said, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. I thought, oh, no, this is really real. And so we got to become missionaries there in Cambodia. Had a couple churches that were starting a great, great time. A great, great time. But sometimes we can allow Satan to make us feel insignificant. Because we don't think we have much to give. Like I did as a teenager, I can never accomplish any of that stuff. These are great men. These are great women. I'm just someone that struggles just to get through high school. But I want you to, again, understand about the idea is who you receive, invest in, you become a part of that ministry, a part of that ministry. And so we have to be careful that we don't discount our service to the Lord, as we see all the different pastors and preachers and missionaries, full-time Christian workers, they come up here and we think, well, I never can do something like that. Well, I'll stand before the Lord and there's really not much that I can do. 
Again, God never rewards successfulness. He always rewards faithfulness. He that is faithful in little is faithful in much. And so you end up with sometimes Christians saying, well, why should I try? I can never measure up to these great men and women of God that are standing before me. And so you realize as we talk about giving or investing, you know, we have the tithe, and the tithe never is ours. So listen to this. I've never given a tithe in my entire life because I can't give something that's not mine. The scripture, if you study it out, says they would bring their tithe. You only bring it because it's not yours. You can't give it because it never belonged to you. And so when we come to faith promise, again, we're not giving. We're investing because there's that expectation that people are going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Remember the little widow lady at the temple cast in her two mites? What did Jesus say? Boy, that was worthless. He said he gave, she gave more than all of them that came in that day. Faithfulness is the key. We bring the tithe, and then God allows us to take the rest, which is ours, to invest it in those that are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. So I want us to notice this one word, receive, from Matthew 10, verses 40 through 42. And that's what we're spending our time on tonight. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Listen to this. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Do you see how it's faithfulness and not a position? And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water... Only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his rewards. There's nothing that is too little to be able to invest in the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father, we now bow before your presence in the next few moments. Lord, what a great crowd that is here tonight on a Wednesday night. Lord, what a great church, Lord, that I'm standing before tonight. And, Lord, just to see what they're doing in their missions programs already. And, and yet, Lord, they still want to do more. And, Lord, I feel like I've already received the greatest benefit tonight. Just being able to be here amongst the church with such a heart for missions that they're almost at 100 missionaries, Lord. And yet, Lord, they desire, as the song was said, not to leave one field unharvested. So, Lord, through the presence of your spirit tonight... Lord, would you quiet our hearts? Would you speak to us through the Spirit of God that indwells us? Lord, would you to help us to understand the economy of heaven isn't giving, it's investing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, to pay dividends in a return when we stand before Jesus Christ. Lord, what a marvelous, marvelous plan that you have. You've called some to go. You've called the rest of us to send. We're all involved in the exact same ministry, regardless of title, regardless of position. Lord, the goal's the same that the world may know. Oh, Lord, this night, in this great church, would you please move through the power of your spirit. Lord, don't allow anything to be said that would be of the flesh, but only that which comes through the spirit of God and through the word of God, 
Move now for your honor and your glory alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I want to look at tonight, and basically the title of the message, is the reward of reception. You've noticed in the three verses that we have read, we have seen the word receiveth, we've seen the word receive, and then as we receive, those that are taking the gospel to the rest of the world, that when we receive them, Scripture says we receive the same reward of whatever office that they hold. So the Lord said to his disciples as he sent them out, he says, he that receiveth you receiveth me. When they took the gospel out, those that received the disciples were receiving Jesus Christ because that was the message. When you share the gospel, you are coming in the name of Jesus Christ. When they receive you, they're receiving Jesus Christ. When they receive Jesus Christ, Jesus says they're receiving God the Father. And then he goes on in verse 41 about a prophet. If you receive the prophet just in the name of a prophet, if you receive him just in the name of a prophet, you're going to receive a prophet's reward, a righteous man. If you receive him in the name of a righteous man, there's a righteous man's reward. And then verse 42, the Lord brings out this point. No matter how small and insignificant your investment seems to be, it's not that way in heaven. We'll talk more about that on Sunday morning. Even a cup of cold water, just in the name of a disciple, and God says there's a return even in the smallest of investments. So it's not how big the investment is. It's how faithful you are in investing. Investing. Let me just define for you that word receive that we see in verses 40 through 42. When you receive a prophet, receive a righteous man, the word receive means to accept favorably. To accept favorably. Here's an example of something that's not favorably. Oh, man, another missions conference again? We support almost 100 missionaries already. That's not receiving favorably. And I know this church isn't like that at all. But it's like this. Man, only 10 more months and it's the missions conference already. I can't wait. Just 12 more months from tonight, we're starting another one. To receive them favorably. Have you ever invested in anything that you saw as unfavorably? <laughs> Everything you invest in, you invest in it because it finds favor with you. And so to receive that prophet, that righteous man, that minister of the gospel, means first of all, I'm receiving him favorably. It doesn't mean that he's more special than you are. Any more than your IRAs or your 401ks, the, the people you invest in, you don't bow before them. They're just somebody you invest in because there's a return coming. These missionaries that you're going to see through this week, there's nothing special about clay, but there's a big something special about the message that they carry, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we receive them favorably. Secondly, to receive means you are embracing them and their ministry. So to speak, that hug. You hug those that are near to you. You hug those that are close to you. And so re to receive means I am embracing them. Thirdly, the word receiveth means 
to make one's own, to make it your own. And just as you would a son or a daughter or your husband, your wife, or a family member, they are your own. To receive means I'm making them my own. I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to make them part of my family. That's the idea of receiving, to make one's own. And two other definitions, it means also this, to take upon oneself to sustain, to bear, and to endure. Receive, again, to take upon oneself to sustain, to bear, and to endure. We don't have time to go into the Jewish hospitality, but you know, whenever a stranger would be out on the streets at night and they were in the shadow of somebody else's house, another Jewish peop, a person, the law said you're to receive. You go out there and you get them off that street. You put them in the house. You give them the best room. You, you give them a bed. You make them a meal. And then you allow them to go on their way the next day. They didn't have motels. They had each other. And so the church of Jesus Christ, we have each other. To take upon oneself Three things, to sustain, to bear, and to endure. That's what it means to receive. And then lastly, it means to approve and not to reject. To approve and not to reject. So there's the definition for the word receive. So when we receive the prophet, receive the righteous man, receive that child, receive Jesus Christ, there's the five definitions about what that word means. So now let's talk about what does receiving look like when it comes to a missions conference, talking about missionaries, what does receiving look like? Let me just give you some four ideas. These aren't necessarily numerical order, but the first thing it means is compassion and prayer. Compassion and prayer. I know it's difficult when you have nearly 100 missionaries. It's difficult to try to keep up with every single one of their prayer needs. Sometimes I get a little bit emotional, so you forgive me if that happens. It's going to happen. <laughs> I know Randy, when he came back to Mariposa, to my shame, we have a missions committee that put all the prayer letters up there, and he came to me and he said, Dad, don't you read my prayer letters? Their prayer letter was a few months old. I said, we have people that take care of that, and they do a good job. I went back and told our missions committee, that's never going to happen again. I will never be put in that position where God's men come to a church and they say, don't you know I'm there? That's not receiving. We need to be compassionate in prayer. We had our missions meeting last Thursday. I said, if I have to put them up there myself, I will put them up there myself. But that will never happen again. It's just not going to happen again. So receiving, number one, it's a compassion and prayer. That prayer letter is the very lifeline of a missionary. And being in missions myself, you know, sometimes you wonder, does anybody know what's going on? And I know many, many churches do. You know, especially now in the day and age we live in with email. I told our, our church Sunday, I said, um, 
we have a missionary of the week every single week, and we put their picture up front in the flag of the country. I said, we're not just going to read the prayer letter every week of that one, but we're going to have a piece of paper that everyone's going to sign. At the top of that paper, it's going to have two or three of their prayer needs, and every one of us are going to sign that thing. We're going to write a note to it, and I'm going to email that to our missionaries every single Monday. Randy taught me that. Secondly, there's that compassion to prayer. Well, you can't pray for them if you're not personally interested in their prayer letters. You have to know how to pray. Thirdly, what does reception look like? Receiving, it's communication. Do you pray just so God can hear you? Do you pray so God can communicate with you in return? Isn't that what prayer is? Isn't that what missions should be also? They all have email addresses. Many times, and not all the time, I can't get to all of them, but I like to send a personal reply when I get their missionary letter and just say thank you for that letter. We can communicate by cards, letters, email. Almost all of the world has email addresses now. And then what, fourthly, what receiving looks like is financially in their ministry. That's what this meeting is all about. Again, we don't give, we invest. When you give, you're not expecting anything to come after you give. We say, well, here's a gift. I'm giving you a gift. In missions, in anything in the ministry, every single thing that you give is an investment that's going to bear fruit to your account when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we, the reward of reception, we see the definition we see four areas of what that looks like. And then thirdly, our eternal reward in part is determined by how we receive those who minister for Jesus Christ. Again, our eternal reward in part is determined by how we receive those who minister for us. And we've already seen that through verses 40 through verse number 42. As we invest, we receive a return upon that in investment missionaries pastors prophets whatever that ministry is that is supporting the gospel that are relying on churches to be able to support them and that is way as independent baptists we do missions i had a family that joined our church from a southern baptist church and i'd never really been involved in it but it, i was surprised at how different the attitude was when it came to missions they don't see missionaries they don't support, families don't support missionaries, the co-op does, so to speak. And I'm not condemning them, I'm just saying there was a difference. Well, this family finally left the church, and one of the reasons they said is, because you're always having these missionaries, and they're always wanting money. Well, you've got the wrong biblical idea. I'm excited every time I can invest in something. I'm excited I'm looking for that day when we get to stand before Christ. The world is falling apart. We just preached a series on eschatology. And things aren't falling apart. Do you realize that? God is the one that purposes everything. Everything is purposed by God. So therefore, don't listen to the news and the networks. Things aren't falling apart. They're falling in place. Jesus Christ is coming back. Praise God for the chaos in the world. Because my Redeemer liveth. And he's about to return. And not even Satan can pick the day when his man's going to take 
so to speak, the throne in the world. Do you realize that? God purposes when the Antichrist steps on the scene. I was talking about with, with Pastor McMath about this. And therefore, if God is one that purposes when the Antichrist is going to be able to reign on the world, and Satan doesn't know this, there's been an Antichrist in the world prepared for that day for all generations because Satan never knows when it's going to come. Is Antichrist alive? You bet your bottom dollar he is. Is he going to be in power, that one? I don't know. But Satan doesn't know either. Oh, what an exciting time to be. That gets off the message. But, but anyway, eschatology is a great subject too. So now I want us to notice how this principle was practiced. This idea of investing or receiving a prophet in the name of a prophet. You receive the prophet's reward. Receive a righteous man just in the name of a righteous man's reward. You receive his reward. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 15. I want us to notice how this principle was practiced. And I'm sure as shooting that every single missions conference, you're going to find this being brought out. It's a great, great principle. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 15 through 19. Of course, this contains verse 17 where it's the fruit that may abound to your account. Philippians 4 verses 15 through 19. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, notice the word receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Every missionary, their goal and their purpose is to present their message and their ministry so it profits the church of Jesus Christ and in return profits the ministry as we see with the Apostle Paul. Exciting. Verse number 18. And here's the heart of every missionary, every one of God's men, women. But I have all. I have all. Not only did they have all, he says, and abound. And abound. I am full. And notice the word received again. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now notice verse 19 is in the context of missions. It's not a verse that just sits there all by itself. It's conditional. It's conditional. It's with the theme of investing in missions. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here's the context. As you are receiving God's men and women, missionaries, full-time workers that are spreading the gospel, that have no way of providing for themselves except for the churches. Then God says, the way that you receive and the way that you invest, no matter how much you invest, I'm going to supply what you need. As we supply the needs of God's people that are in full-time ministry sharing the gospel, God says, in return, I'm just going to keep giving you more so you can keep on giving. Amen. It's not a verse you just plug in in your prayer and say, well, God, you promised to meet all my need. Well, no, no Lord, I, I've never given to missions, you know, but, but you can provide all my need. I'm sorry, it's connected to missions. So Philippians 4.17 is a verse that we hear often. But we see the ministry of Paul. We see two words that are tied together in verse number 15. 
It's the word giving and receiving, or investing and receiving. The same thing we see in Matthew 10 in, in our text. These two words are tied together in missions. As you invest, you also receive. You also receive. Now, again, let me preface this. We're not using God for a slot machine. That's not what we're saying. If you invest a dollar, God's going to give you 10000 back. That's not what we're saying at all. That's the faith movement. That's a whole different movement altogether. That's not us. So these two words are tied together as it comes to missions. He says about the church there at Philippi, you sent multiple times to my necessities. What is he saying? You are always receiving me, always receiving me. And when we give, it isn't just a gift, is it? It's an investment that's going to bound to our account. Notice that word abound means what we give is not what we receive back. We give a little, and it abounds at that judgment seat of Christ. That's called interest. Again, we'll talk about that on Sunday. It's an investment into our account as we invest in missions. It begins with a simple gift, but it ends in abounding to our account. That word abounding also could be defined as superabounding. Superabounding. And again, we're going to look. Do you realize... In Scripture, it actually tells us a percentage rate of God's blessing. We'll deal with that Sunday morning. won't give it to you now. You have to come back. But we're always, always, always investing. Then look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. So we see the idea of receiving and giving in Paul's letter to the, Philipp, the, Philipp, the Philippi church. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, notice that receiving... God's men, God's women, is not dependent upon ability, but upon willingness. We don't give according to ability, but we give according to the willingness of our hearts. And as we give according to the abundance and the willingness of our heart, God accepts that which we have, and you receive God's blessing, and you're honoring Jesus Christ by honoring those that preach the gospel all over the world. 2 Corinthians 8, again, a very familiar verse in missions conferences. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia and Greece, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, notice the word abounded there again, abounded under the riches of their liberality. Why would it abound? Because when you receive someone, you're receiving that missionary's reward, and you really want to support missions even more because it abounds back to you when you're able to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And many people believe we'll be casting those crowns back at his feet. Scripture speaks of five crowns that Paul talks about through the New Testament. Wouldn't it be exciting just to cast those down like the elders in Revelation at the feet of Jesus? And say, oh, Lord, you've given me this crown. And Lord, I just want to return it once again. All of Christian life is returning that which God has blessed with us, blessed to us, to give back to him when we stand before his awesome glory and the splendor of his holiness and the majesticness of his very person. Oh, I don't want to go in empty-handed to you. 
I want to make sure that I invest everything that I possibly can for his honor and for his glory. Verse 2, again, 2 Corinthians 8, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty, abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing in themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. There's that word receive again. Receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. See, Paul was the one traveling. But he's talking about these churches in, in Macedonia. How they understood when they received the Apostle Paul, they're receiving the same reward of the Apostle Paul. And even though they were in deep poverty, deep affliction, deep trials, what do you do when you're in difficult times? You make sure you find something to invest in that's going to get you out of those difficult times. And that's investing in the ministry of missionaries in Jesus Christ. Verse 3, 4, to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Receive a righteous man, receive the righteous man's reward. Receive the prophet, receive the prophet's reward. What's a prophet? It's just any preacher that starts preaching about eschatology, the last things. You preach about the rapture, you're fulfilling the, 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 the design of a prophet. You're speaking about things to come. There are things to come that are already in the word of God, but that's when the preacher preaches about eschatology, you're fulfilling the office of a prophet. You're talking about what's going to take place in the future. I'm just going to close with this thought. We're very familiar with the concept that Scripture talks about sowing and reaping. How many of you have gardens at your house? Love to garden. The squirrels love it even better. So the Bible says if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If, let's put it this way. If we invest sparingly, we are going to reap sparingly. You only reap according to the way that you invest. I like to plant corn. And the Bible says, except a seed, paraphrasing, falls in the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. The church of Jesus Christ needs to realize, Paul saying, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. We are all dead to the flesh, so to speak, dead men walking. But you realize, and Jesus was talking about himself, that seed that's placed in the ground, that's him, that's his body, he's going to die. But when he comes back, there's going to be a great harvest. And we're seeing that today. Do you realize everything that you see outside, almost everything comes from a seed. And that seed falls in the ground and dies, and when it comes up, you have green Beautiful flowers everywhere. Why? Because that seed died. And when the seed dies, it always brings that back a multitude of more seeds. I planted corn in a garden one time. 
And as the corn came up, I was amazed that the husk of that seed was on the tip of that new corn stalk coming out of the ground. The seed is gone. The seed is dead. But in its place is something that is brand new. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. Every time you see something green, God is shouting, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm coming back. When I plant that seed of corn, sometimes I get three ears of corn on that one corn seed. To show you how boring a person I am, I know that on a normal corn cob, there are 600 kernels. Pretty boring, count all those all day, huh? Three of those will have 1,800 seeds that came from one little insignificant investment of one little corn seed. Can I tell you in percentages that that one corn seed brought to me a 180,000% return? <laughs> That's just corn seeds. One corn seed in God's economy goes so much further than you'll ever understand. So much further than you'll ever understand. I'm going to close with one last verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. Here's the heart of the Apostle Paul, verse 14 and 15. This is the heart of so many Christians. And it's the heart of every pastor, missionary, full-time worker that loves Jesus Christ. This is the heartbeat of all of God's ministers. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you, I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children not not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Here's what the missionary Paul is saying. I'm not coming for my benefit. I'm coming for your benefit. The parents lay up for the child. The child doesn't lay up for the parents. And the Apostle Paul is saying, you're my sons and daughters in the faith. And I'm not seeking what you have. I'm seeking you and your benefit. And notice the heart. Verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's the heart of your pastor here. What a blessing that you have. Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's the heart of those that are in whatever full-time service. It's all about the church. Remember Jesus told a parable about having 100 sheep? 99 of them were safe in the fold, but there was one lost in the wilderness. He left those safe in the fold, went out and found the one to bring them back. That's the heart of these missionaries that are here tonight. That's the heart of the pastor that you have here tonight. I know how hard it is when people move away from the area and you smile. And you tell them you're praying for them. And then you go home and you cry. Because that was your family that just left. 
when people misunderstand and they don't try to work things out and they get their feelings hurt and they get offended and they go out and they leave and a good pastor's heart goes home and there's tears that are flowing in that family that night. Because the heart of your pastor, the heart of these missionaries, the heart of pastors is it doesn't matter about me. All that matters to a pastor is you. The missionaries are coming. What matters most to them in their heart is you. And as you receive them, God says you're going to receive that same reward. I guarantee you there's no 401k, there's no retirement benefit out there that can match eternity. Accept them, receive them, and let's have a great week as we see what God's going to do. Pastor.